0: Hello, I'm Mel. And I'm Steph. And this is East Asia for All, a podcast about the East Asian pop culture and media that you love. We're both working on our PhDs
1: in Chinese history, but we also study and teach about East Asia in general. If you're listening right now, you, like us, probably also have an addiction to East Asian pop culture and media.
0: Between the two of us, we've lived on and off in China, Taiwan, and Japan since 2007. So we're taking our love for East Asia, our experiences there, and the knowledge we've gained in the ivory tower, and making it available beyond our classroom walls. North Korea is in the news again, so we thought we'd talk about
1: some memes. But of course, memes can't explain everything. And in this case, some memes from China, specifically memes that poke fun at Kim Jong-un, the leader
0: of North Korea are what we're going to talk about today. Now, wait, you might say, I thought that China and North Korea are allies. That's true, but
1: it also hasn't stopped Chinese folks from making snide memes about the North Korean supreme leader. Um, And the Chinese leadership isn't super happy that its citizens are insulting the leader of their ally. But we'll go into that in a bit. First,
0: what are these memes? Well, many of the memes come with a nickname that makes fun of Kim's body, Jin San Pang, which translates to Fatty Kim the (laughs) Third. Yeah. In Chinese, Jin is how Kim is pronounced. So Fatty Kim the Third, the phrase, has been censored by the Chinese government. Yeah. So the search for the keyword Jin San Pang or Fatty Kim the Third is blocked by Baidu, China's most popular search engine. And I've got to say, in addition to Jin San Pang, I've also
1: heard Jin Pangzi or Fatty Kim, and for his father, Jin Da
0: Pangzi, Big Fatty Kim. Yeah, we should give some context really quickly for folks that aren't familiar with North Korean politics or the Kim family. So Kim Jong Un, current leader of North Korea, succeeded his father, Kim Jong Il, and grandfather, Kim Il Sung, the founder of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea or North Korea. That's right. So he's the
1: third Kim to rule North Korea. And if you've ever seen a picture of him, he's fat. So Chinese netizens have seized on this aspect of his appearance to make fun of him, hence the Fatty Kim nickname. Right.
0: But now these nicknames, like Fatty Kim the Third are blocked. North Korea and China are supposed to be allies. And so as far as the Chinese government is concerned, That means its citizens shouldn't be poking fun at North Korea's leader. Right. So, what's a mainlander to do? Well, now, at least according to some discussions that we've looked at on Reddit, Chinese folks on the internet have been calling him to circumvent the internet censors. The character is composed of three genes, the (laughs) Chinese word for Kim. It works out really well, actually.
1: Yeah and it tells you something about the ama- amount of characters in Chinese that if Kim the 3rd is blocked that Chinese netizens can just switch it to a character made of 3 Kims or 3 Jin
0: to circumvent the censorship. It's really innovative of Chinese netizens. Sometimes Chinese netizens will also use homonyms to get around the internet censorship. And Chinese lends itself really well to that because of the tones. So one of the most popular uses of this is the grass mud horse meme, which is a meme that's sort of protesting and making fun of Internet censorship in China.
1: Yeah, so said with certain tones, ma means grass mud horse. And said another way, it means, f*** your mom. <laughs> yeah, so that one is um, a classic Chinese meme, and Chinese netizens are very good at getting around internet censorship. Other memes about Kim Jong-un don't rely on the nickname Fatty the Third. There's one that's a picture of Kim Jong-un dressed up like a pig, and the caption is, 你连书都不如, or you're not even as good as a
0: pig. <laughs> yeah, which could be making fun of Kim's appearance. It also could be a reference to the pig character, Zhu Bajie in Journey to the West, and this character Zhu is a bit of a lush, but also a hero in his own right. This is kind of an aside, but I'm pretty sure that, was it Netflix?
1: There is some, um, some Journey to the West retelling that is just like no Chinese folks on, and it might be on Netflix. We can double check that. Mm. But anyways, so on that particular meme, the the pig meme, you know, it's unclear if the caption is supposed
0: to be Kim's words to the audience or a caption about Kim himself. And there's another one that has a picture of Kim Jong-un dressed up as a sort of conquering Roman warrior with the caption, it's lonely when you're invincible, which is possibly a reference to Kim Jong-un's political rivals having a tendency to get killed, like Kim Jong-nam, Kim Jong-un's half-brother. And that
1: phrase, you know, it's lonely when you're invincible in Chinese, is actually a lyric from a song in the popular film The Mermaid by director Stephen Cho. So there's this
0: whole network of pop cultural references that are being drawn on here. Not to mention the similarities between that meme and Kim Jong-il's song in Team America, where Kim Jong-il sings about his terrible loneliness. (laughs) It's hard being the supreme leader, isn't it? It is. (laughs) So
1: there's also another meme that takes the Xiaoping Bu, or Little Apple song, which is this really, really, really popular song in China a few years ago. And it just has Kim Jong-un's face superimposed in various (laughs) situations that portray him as totally incompetent, incapable, and hapless, like blowing himself up accidentally or something that's very cartoony. And he's, he's often paired against Obama, who is portrayed as very annoyed and kind of dismissive, kind of like
0: he's dealing with a petulant child. Which tells you a lot about what the Chinese people making this meme, how they view Obama and Kim Jong-un. Totally. Yeah. I love that, of course, there's a Kim Jong-un meme with the song Little Apple. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's required. I think it's required (laughs) if it
1: goes viral on the Chinese internet (laughs) that you have to pair it with that song. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of gets stuck in your head over and over again, right? It's such an earworm. And other memes in this vein are really clever. You know, they make fun of censorship efforts. There's this one meme that we'll link to in the show notes. It uses a movie poster for the... Um, Japanese anime
0: that came out this year that's called Your Name. It's literally the highest grossing anime in the world and the highest grossing Japanese movie ever in China. Yeah, it was really popular in China. And one clever
1: netizen uh, modified the movie poster for Your Name to put Kim Jong-un's head over one of the characters and added a subtitle, Your Name now we can't say
0: it. (laughs) I love it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the memes. But the memes are actually not why North Korea has been in the news lately. Indeed
0: not. About two weeks ago, North Korea conducted a missile test. Which failed, but it was still seen
1: as a belligerent move.
0: So why did North Korea do that? Well, with Trump's hawkish pronouncements about a potential war with Korea, and South Korean elections coming up, North Korea is possibly using its own nuclear programs and missile tests to assert its power in the region. Yeah, if we move past the idea that the
1: North Korean government is crazy or insane, we actually find that there are often logical explanations for North Korea's actions, even if we don't agree with
0: them. Right. North Korea may be ruled by dangerous, corrupt elites who only care about their own power and wealth.
1: Sounds familiar.
0: Yes. (laughs) But nonetheless, viewing them as crazy isn't the right approach either.
1: In fact, if you look at the history of the Korean Peninsula, North Korea's
0: paranoia about outside powers kind of makes a lot of sense. Totally. The Korean Peninsula was at the center of power struggles among better armed and wealthier countries for much of its history. Across the late 19th and 20th centuries, at different times, it was fought over by China, Japan, Russia, and later the USSR.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of wars fought over Korea on Korean territory. The first sino Japanese war in 1894 to to five, when it concluded, as the name suggests, it was a war between China and Japan, but they were fighting over control of Korea, and most of the fighting took place in
0: Korea. Right. In the same vein, the Russo-Japanese War of 1904 to 1905 also fought over Korea. For those of you
1: familiar with European history, Korea is a bit like Poland. It's always getting fought over by
0: its heavyweight neighbors. Yeah. By World War II, everyone still wanted control over Korea. Only now it wasn't only China, Japan and the USSR, but the U.S. too. And so after the war ended, China and Japan had both been decimated and they were no longer able to contest control over Korea. So the U.S. and the USSR divided it up amongst themselves at the 38th parallel, which the U.S. chose because they really wanted Seoul on their side in the south. But Seoul is kind of in the middle of the Korean peninsula. But Seoul is just south of the 38th parallel. So just like
1: that, poof. One country got divided into two at a completely arbitrary boundary.
0: Yeah, Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-un's grandfather, had spent most of the war fighting the Japanese in Korea and northern China. And so after the war, he was extremely popular among the Korean resistance fighters and was also the USSR's choice to lead Korea. The U.S. chose a man named Syngman
1: Rhee, who has been who had been at the time living outside of Korea for uh, most of the last few decades. And he spent most of that time in the U.S., which is part of the reason why the U.S. chose him as their man. Right. They knew him. And the occupation after World War II wasn't pretty on either side. In the north, the communists rooted out and killed people who they thought had collaborated with the Japanese during the war. And in the south, right-wing nationalists rooted out and killed people they thought were communists or
0: communist sympathizers. The worst was probably the Bodo League massacre in 1950, in which upwards of 100,000 people were killed for being suspected communists or communist sympathizers. And at that point,
1: it began to look more and more difficult to reunify the peninsula. And by 1950, the U.S.-backed South was holding elections only for the South, and it became clear that they had no intention of ever reunifying Korea. So the newly minted Democratic People's Republic of Korea, or North Korea, invaded the new Republic of Korea, or South Korea, and the war began.
0: Yeah, the Korean War was brutal so much more so than we generally hear about or acknowledge in the U.S. There's a great article by Mehdi Hassan all about the Korean War and why it helps explain the current situation of geopolitics in East Asia. And it's titled, Why do the North Koreans hate us? One reason, they remember the Korean War. Yeah, that's a pretty straightforward title. (laughs) Indeed. Hassan makes a lot of good points. One, that about 3 million civilians were killed, most of them in the North. According to U.S. Air Force General LeMay, about 20% of the North Korean population was killed. 20%! We should probably let that sink in for a minute.
1: You know, not only 20% of the population, but the entire infrastructure of the North was wiped out. Cities and towns were totally decimated, In the U.S., if you talk about firebombing, you think of the U.S. firebombing Germany or Japan during World War II. And if you talk about napalm, most people associate that with the later
0: Vietnam War. But the U.S. Army used tens of thousands of tons, literal tons, of bombs and napalm during the Korean War.
1: So you can understand why the North Koreans might not like the U.S. very much and why they might be a little bit paranoid.
0: Right. The Korean Peninsula has been fought over by bigger powers for the last century or more, and the U.S. committed horrible atrocities during the Korean War. Let's also remember,
1: as The Guardian pointed out pretty recently, that the aggressive posturing that, the, that North Korea is making may be in reaction to the ways that the U.S. has dealt with other leaders it deemed crazy, like Gaddafi or Hussein. And North
0: Korea has been able to leverage this crazy label to get a fair amount of power over South Korea, sort of playing the crazy card.
1: Also, is it just me or is Kim Jong-un like looking like Mao a little bit these
0: days? That hair, (laughs) that hair. (laughs) So true, so true, (laughs) that communist style. So
1: I think this conversation, it hopefully has helped explain a little bit about North Korea's position. And how that position has been informed by real historical experiences and maybe why we shouldn't dismiss North Korea immediately as crazy. That's kind of dangerous to just dismiss Korea and Kim Jong-un as crazy.
0: Yeah. Not that we want to downplay the risks of the North Korean regime and all of the weapons that could be involved, like the nuclear weapons that could be involved in a conflict. But as you said, crazy is definitely not the best way to view the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think framing it in that way actually makes it, it definitely doesn't downplay it. It makes you realize that they have legitimate concerns just as we do about instability in that area. And when in doubt, I guess, look at some memes of Kim (laughs) Jong-un. Sometimes all you can do is
0: laugh. And in this this case, it is helpful. (laughs) God bless the memes. (laughs) Thanks for listening. In wrapping up, we want to say a few words about our sponsors. We're a new podcast funded generously by the American Councils for International Education Critical Language Scholarship Alumni Development Program and the Phillips Ambassadors Alumni Award at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill.
1: If you like our podcast, you could really help us out by telling others about the podcast and leaving a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at EastAsiaForAll or visit our website eastasiaforall.com for show notes and more information about the podcast. We're lucky that we don't need funding or donations right now, but we could use your support in getting the word out. Thanks.